Hi, and thanks for joining us today. Today is the grand finale of our Acts of the Holy Spirit series. This series, I believe, has been really defining a series for our church uh, in this time of COVID because we started the series just after Easter when our state went into lockdown. And we're finishing this series today as we look towards next Sunday to reopening our church building, to relaunch our church services next Sunday. So I think this series has not only just sustained us in our time of COVID, but I think it's really grown us as a church. It's really compelled us to continue to live for the mission of God. We've witnessed in the story of Acts, the birth of the church, the grand drama of salvation playing out in real lives, in real time and in real space. The story of the mission of God starting small and multiplying beyond anyone could ever dreamed of. And it's been one story made up of many smaller stories, stories of tension and sacrifice, faithfulness and unfaithfulness, opportunities and obstacles, difficult circumstances wrapped in the sovereignty of God. And these stories are all woven together by the key themes of the rule and reign of the risen Jesus, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the outworking of Jesus' commission to the church. This really is a defining series for our church in this time of COVID. And in today's final scene of the story of Acts, in Acts chapter 28, Paul reaches Rome to stand before Caesar in fulfillment of the first chapter, chapter 1. Jesus promised of the apostles to be witnesses of Jesus from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And now Jesus' words have all come true now that Paul has reached Rome. So from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 28, it spans 30 years. And in the 30 years, the church of Christ has grown and multiplied beyond 120 men at the start to thousands upon thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of followers of Jesus. And here's what we need to know about the church reaching Rome now. For the people in the time of Acts, Rome was about as far as the ends of the earth. And if it wasn't the ends of the earth, they viewed Rome as being a major city of the Roman Empire where every other city could be reached. It was said of Rome that if you could get to Rome, then you can get to anywhere in the world. They was said to say that that in Rome, there's a road that could take you to anywhere you want to get to. And so this is what the author of Luke wants us to see as he ends the story of Acts, as he leaves us here in Rome. Luke wants us to see that the mission of God is guaranteed to succeed. The mission of God is guaranteed to succeed. And if that is true, and it is, then that changes everything. Just consider for a moment, what are the things that, you're doing in your life right now that is guaranteed to succeed. Say you've been working your guts off over this last 20 weeks. That's right. Uh, We've been going through Acts for 20 weeks and with all the 
COVID-related disruptions or the COVID-related business forecast or the internal politics perhaps during this last 20 weeks, are you guaranteed to get that next promotion? No. If you're making commitment to yourself that this spring you're going to eat right, you're going to exercise, are you guaranteed that by summer you'll be in the best shape of your life? No. Perhaps if you sleep train your kids right now, are you guaranteed a restful night? No. Don't you see that without guarantees or insurances, we're left with uncertainty and doubt? And when it comes to God's mission, when it comes to sharing the gospel with others, when it comes to being a missionary for Jesus, and don't forget, friends, as soon as you become a Christian, you become a missionary. As soon as God saves you, God sends you. And when it comes to God's mission, most of us are marked by feelings of uncertainty or doubt. And we don't need better skills or techniques. What we need is greater confidence, greater assurance. And so do you see when we don't have a guarantee, then it doesn't create confidence. But when we do have a guarantee, does that not produce confidence? And so today from Acts 28, we're going to look at ways in which we can live as confident missionaries. And I have four points. Here's the first one. Because the mission of God is guaranteed to succeed, we can be confident in relationships. Look with me at verse 17. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain." It should be pretty clear by now and very obvious that the Jewish community were not overly receptive to Paul and the gospel message. The Jews, his own people, were hard soil. Yet despite the intense opposition from the Jews, Paul continues to go from city to city, gathering people to proclaim the gospel. Paul was not timid when it came to relationships. He was not protecting himself from people. And what we learn from Paul is the fact that people have rejected us or the gospel should not rob us of confidence in God's mission. So let's be people who don't shy away from relationships. Let's have great confidence in relationships. Number two, because the mission of God is guaranteed to succeed, we can be confident in prayer. Would your prayers give the impression to an outsider that you're genuinely believing that the mission of God is advancing and the kingdom of God is on the move? Do you pray big kingdom-orientated prayers for the conversion of unbelievers, for the conviction of sin and repentance, for the kingdom of God to come and his will to be done in our city and out to the nations? 
Or do your prayers focus on your own needs and problems? In 1662 AD, while Paul was being imprisoned in Rome, shortly after he arrives here in Rome, Paul wrote this to the Colossian church whilst in chains. Chapter 4, verse 2 to 4. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. You see, for Paul, prayer was not just something nice. Prayer was a necessity because God uses prayer to open doors for the gospel. And if you just do a biblical survey of every time this analogy of opening doors is used in the Bible, it is always related to the advancement of the kingdom of God. The idea of God opening doors is not getting a better job or having a new place to live. God opens the door for the kingdom to advance. And so prayer is not a nice thing, but a necessary thing. Because God delights in his sons and daughters coming to him in prayer, asking him to open doors for the word of God. So please listen to this. Prayer is not for the advancement of our comfort, but for the advancement of God's kingdom. So here's a simple thing for us to do in community groups this week. Spend some time praying for specific people who don't know Jesus this week. Let's make this a normal thing in our community groups. Let's make it normal that we would be aware and intentional with unbelievers in our lives. And additionally, make it normal to be praying for them, for God to open a door for the word of God. So let's be confident in prayer, a prayerful church that is confident that God's mission will succeed. Number three, finally, we can be confident in evangelism. Read with me from verse 23. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. Paul sits down. He opens the Bible. He shares the gospel, and some were convinced by what he said. Others did not believe. Paul explains from Isaiah the prophet that those who did not believe have hard hearts, which make them unable to understand and perceive the gospel message. And that's going to be our reality. It's also our reality that there are going to be people who are convinced by the gospel, and there will be, as some Paul testifies, some who will listen and believe. And that's how it's going to work. 
You're going to sit down with people. You're going to open up the Bible with people. And you're going to share the gospel with, with people and share some of the foundations of our Christian faith. And some will be convinced by what you say. And here is the good news. They are going to be convinced not because you're great and not because you're very good at explaining things. They're going to be convinced because the mission of God is guaranteed to succeed. God will be constantly calling people to himself through you. Number four, we've seen because the mission of God is guaranteed to succeed, we can be confident in relationships, we can be confident in prayer, we can be confident in evangelism. Finally, we can be confident in hospitality. Repeatedly throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the people of God are commanded That's right, commanded to be hospitable. But in our current time and in our current cultural context, when I say hospitality, most of you think entertainment, which is not a bad thing, but it's not the same thing. Entertainment is like party preparation. It's choosing the menu for dinner. It's tidying the house for guests. It's picking out appetizers. It's making sure your kids don't touch anything. And that's not a bad thing, but it's not hospitality. Hospitality, according to the New Bible Dictionary, is this. Hospitality involves loving strangers, believers, widows, orphans, unbelievers, the poor, the needy, foreigners, refugees, and even your own enemies, and treating them like your own family. See, entertainment seeks to impress, hospitality seeks to bless. And at the end of Acts, we see Paul living at his own expense. It says in verse 30, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul is under house arrest. This isn't his own home. This is someone else's home. But he has such a warm, such an engaging spirit about him that just his own presence is also inviting. Just imagine for a sec and wonder what our church would look like if we had a renewed confidence in hospitality. It starts by saying that COVID doesn't necessarily give us an exemption on the command to practice hospitality. Yes, we need to be wise and caring to protect one another in obedience to the health advice, but these measures shouldn't hinder our confidence in being welcoming to others. As we open our church building for services again, We're going to be wise and caring in making our site COVID safe, but those measures shouldn't hinder our confidence to being a welcoming church, to welcome anyone who wants to join us. I have young children and Amy and I, we are wise about putting measures to protect and care for our children. But as we have these measures and boundaries in place, we encourage one another to not let those Things hinder our confidence in being welcoming and hospitable 
to new people that we meet in the local area, to new people who are interested in Chapel Hill. Just imagine what our church community would look like if we welcomed our neighbours around us in safe and appropriate ways and treated them like family. If we did that, I think we could be confident that God would use our hospitality to being treating people, inviting people into the kingdom of God. If you're joining us today and you don't consider yourself a Christian, you must be thinking, man, all these people at Chapel Hill, all they want me to be is a Christian. Well, here is what I would say to that. Absolutely, absolutely and unashamedly, that is exactly what we want. We deeply desire for you to place your faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it's okay if that takes a little bit of time. It's okay that you still have questions that you need to be resolved. But deep down, we desire for you to know the love of God that casts out fear. We deeply desire for you to experience what it means to be united to Christ and have your guilt and shame removed and forgiven. We deeply desire for you to experience the joy of the freedom from sin through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We want you to become a Christian. We want you to love Jesus, to be captivated by him, to be saved by him, to be sent by him, to make disciples of all nations. Friends, that is what we really want. Because the mission of God is guaranteed to succeed, we can be confident missionaries. And friends, let me remind you of the most confident missionary that has ever lived on the face of this earth. And it's not the Apostle Paul. It's not Peter. It's not John. It's not Luke. The most confident missionary that has ever lived is Jesus. Jesus was so confident in relationships that he had no problem developing meaningful relationships with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. Jesus was so confident in prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was so confident in evangelism that he not only freely shared the good news of salvation, he was the one that freely took our place on the cross to purchase our salvation. Jesus was so confident in hospitality that he had, there was no one that matched his warmth no one that matched his engaging presence. Jesus always welcomed the outsider and he never had a home of his own to do hospitality. Jesus is such a great missionary that he wants us to have the confidence and courage of a missionary. So he pours out his Holy Spirit over the church and says, go in my power, go in my presence to be witnesses to all nations. Friends, let's really heed these words as we wrap up Acts. As an opportunity, even in this time of COVID, to be confident missionaries for Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the last 20 weeks as we have been studying the book of Acts to witness the works of the Holy Spirit in the early church, 
to see that your mission will continue on today and it will continue to fulfill your purposes here on earth. And so, Father, we pray as a church that Chapel Hill will continue to be the next chapters of Acts, to be the protagonists like Paul, like Peter, like the early disciples, that we too are also called to be your witnesses to the ends of this earth. And so, Father, we pray as we enter this next chapter of this year, as we reopen our building, that nothing has really changed, that we will continue to speak of your truth, to speak of your love, to invite people into your kingdom, to treat people like your family members, Lord. There is much change around how we might go about that, but your purposes are clear, that we will continue to be your missionaries, Lord. So, Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, give us the confidence that we need. Let us look to Jesus. Let us rely on the Holy Spirit. Let's encourage each other as we gather as brothers and sisters in Christ so that together, together, we might see your kingdom advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.